want to uh, record the uh, conversation I had with Yorov. He only said part of it. I asked, uh, were people really going to come out at this time of night? And he said, the night is young. But I said, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm uh, really shocked to see that more than the Rav and my wife and myself are here. So I uh, first want to uh, thank the Rav, Assistant Rav, for uh, welcoming me into the community the way they did and giving me the opportunity to, uh, to address you. I'm sure that I got a lot more chizik out of this weekend than any of you did, and I uh, thank you for that. The, uh, it's a really beautiful community here. You should appreciate what you have and who you have, and, uh, and go Michael al Choyel. Now, there's a progression from Chochma to Bina to Das. Over the Shabbos, we took care of the first two, Chochma and Bina. I gave you what I thought were some ideas behind Tefillah, how it works, why we daven, and uh, uh, that's the Chochma. Bina is, after you hear the facts, to understand uh, what's behind it, how to uh, uh, put it into practice, right? what the uh, implications of those facts are. And that also we covered pretty much over Shabbos. What we didn't cover is the Das. Das is a Chibur. It's connecting the ideas, Lamaisa, put them into practice. And uh, the Rav asked me to uh, give some practical suggestions of how a person can improve their tefillah. And since you are uh, spending now this month of Elul in pursuing, uh, perfecting, and improving each one their tefillah on their level, uh, let me give you some uh, practical advice how to do it. The main way of accomplishing anything is preparing for it. Hachana. Hachana, the word lahachin, has a connection to the word kain. Kain means a base, um, something, something substantive. Kain is a yes, is an affirmative. It means something of substance and a base that gives something a base, gives it substance. So uh, preparing for any mitzvah, uh, the more preparation and the more quality preparation, the better the mitzvah is. The Chedushi Harim says that um, the mitzvah of Shilua HaKain, if you chance upon a bird's nest, so there's a mitzvah if you want the eggs, to send away the mother and to take the eggs or the young chicks. That mitzvah you can only do if you chance upon a nest. But if you cultivate a nest in your house, so you don't have to send away the mother. So the Gemara calls that mitzvah, mitzvah kala. It's a very light mitzvah. It says the Chedushi Arim 
because since it's a mitzvah that you can't prepare for, a mitzvah without preparation can't be anything more than a light mitzvah. It can't really be a serious mitzvah. So if you want to uh, improve tefillah, it involves preparation. And that is on a few levels. Firstly, <clears throat> to prepare to understand what you're davening. There's two parts of tefillah. There's Psuke de Zimra and there is Shmona Esrei. And the, both of them need preparation. The Psuke de Zimra in itself is a preparation for Shmona Esrei. But a person has to prepare himself for that preparation. So one thing for the men for sure is to come on time to shul. And to be there before they start so you can sit for a few minutes and prepare your mind and focus it on what you're going to do instead of running in uh, on time, right, or later than on time and uh, hurrying up and trying to catch up to, uh, to where the tzibur is um, and pretending that that's davening. So I think the first nekuda is that people should be macabre on themselves that they're going to come five minutes. Don't Don't try too much. But at least five minutes before the time of davening to be there, to be able to think a little bit about starting davening um, is a very big step in the direction of improving one's davening. That's the first thing. Secondly, before you come to daven, to prepare a little bit of what you're saying for those who need just to, to translate the words. Daven from a Siddur in Hebrew and you're not familiar with the Hebrew words, so prepare what the translation is simply so you know what you're saying. But don't try to prepare the whole Psuke de Zimra and the whole Shmon Esrei at one time. Take one bracha, one small paragraph and concentrate on that and mitzvah goreras mitzvah. If you have one paragraph in Psuke de Zimra that you know what you're saying, for those that already know what they're saying in Hebrew, look up a, a, a perush, look up some commentary. So you have something on a few sentences that you know more deeply than just the words themselves. So even though it's only one small part, but that will... Uh, carry along with it the rest of Psuke de Zimra, that at least you'll have more, you'll be focused more on it. The same thing with Shmona Esri. Pick one bracha at a time. Concentrate on that. Know what it means. Know what the, some of the Mepharshim say about it. And concentrate on that one bracha for a few more seconds than you do in the, all the other brachas. And do that for a day or two, and then go on to a different bracha. And concentrate on that. And concentrating on one bracha in Shemona Esrei will pull with it the other brachas, even though you don't know anything more about them, but at least you'll concentrate a little bit more. So that's in the preparation. Women can do that too. You daven at home, whatever you daven. Right? At least look ahead and know what the words mean. And if you're on a level where you already know what the words mean, look a little bit more into what the commentaries say about those, those brachos in Shemona Esri that you're saying. And do one at a time, concentrate on that, 
and the rest of it don't try too hard. I do as you've done in the past, and little by little, uh, take another bracha and another bracha until maybe take a, a year to go through the whole Shemona Esrei bracha by bracha, and you'll be able to know a little bit more of what you're, what you're saying. The, um, uh, in addition to that, the main kavana in Shemona Esrei at least, is that you're standing and conversing with the Rabbana Shalom. If you don't have that kavana, you're not davening. You're mumbling. But you're not davening. Davening is conversing with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And you have to have the kavana that I'm standing before Hashem and speaking to Him. Now, uh, people's minds wander. So they tell me. No, I'm just kidding. The, um, and uh, uh, sometimes... Uh, you know, they in, in the halachas of Kriya Shema, so the last words of the first parsha are pretty much the same as the close to the last words of the second. As possible, the person says, and he doesn't know if he's finishing the first parsha of Kriya Shema or the second one. There's halachas, what to do? We're on a madrega much worse than that. Person takes three steps back. He's not sure if he's starting Shemona Esrei or he just finished it. <laughs> so in order to avoid that, at least when you start Shemona Esrei for a second, think that you're standing in front of the Rabbana Shalom. And uh, I heard the name of Victor Miller. Right? On my own, I would not say this. But I heard that he said it that you're allowed to imagine a form of a person that you're standing before, even though the Rabbana Shalom has no form, right? And I've got to make images, Shalom of the Rabbana Shalom. But if you know that that's not the Rabbana Shalom, but just like the Rabbana Shalom appeared to Nevi'im in the form of a human being, right? that was the picture that he gave as a representation that the Navi was talking to the Rabbana Shalom, and the Rabbana Shalom um, gave the Navi a symbol of a human being to symbolize himself. In that case, you're allowed to imagine that. You're standing before uh, a person, or at least before a throne, and that gives you the feeling that you're conversing with someone, that you that you're have a, a dialogue over here, between yourself and the Rabbana Shalom. And if you think of that in the beginning of Shemona Esrei, even though your mind may wander, but at least you set the pattern to begin with, that that's what you're doing. I'm talking to the Rabbana Shalom. So uh, that, and that is the most crucial kavana in Shemona Esrei. Not knowing what the words are is not ma'akiv, except in the first bracha. But throughout the entire Shemona Esrei, at least according to Reb Chaim Brisker, if you don't have in mind that you're standing before Hashem, you're not Yosei, that's not tefillah. So at least that much a person should work on themselves that when they start Shemona Esrei, they have in their mind a picture that they're standing in front of something that in their mind represents the Rabbana Shalom, and that's, that's other davening. So uh, I think if you take all these things one at a time, not too much at a time, very small amount, little bit in Sukkot Zimra, 
and a little bit in Shemona Esrei and um, prepare it ahead of time. And during the time that you're saying it, think about just that one, one paragraph, that one, those few lines, uh, it'll have an effect on the whole Shemona Esrei. One more thing. Make it relevant to yourself. In every bracha, don't spend too much time because you'll miss getting together for Kedusha. Therefore, it's better to have these thoughts and if you have to daven for something special or whatever, not to do it in the brachas, like uh, to daven for somebody who's sick in Rifo'enu. You can do it there. You can do it in Shmakoleinu. Or you can do it in a Lokainetzor. Mishabura says it's better to do it in a Lokainetzor because then if you don't finish by the time the Shliach Tzibur gets to Kedusha, you can still answer Kedusha in a Lokainetzor. But you can't answer Kedusha in Shmakoleinu or in Fa'enu. So uh, even though if you want to say Tfilis for specific people, or specific needs that you have, it's better to do it in a lokainetzor, but minimally, at least in every bracha, think how this bracha impacts on me personally, right? I'm davening for shlicha, think a little bit about one avera that you know that you need to do tshuva on, and that this lachlonu applies to that specifically. Rifo'enu, it's easier, right? You know, somebody who's sick, a family member, a friend, have them in mind in Rifo'enu. It's not just a nebulous thing that you're asking for a fua, but you're connecting it to somebody specific that that bracha now becomes much more significant. And the same thing goes with all the other brachas. Find something personal, that that bracha means something personal to you or to someone close to you, and have in mind for a few seconds Right, uh, that that this bracha has a, is is relevant to something very very practical that you need, someone else needs, or whatever. That's uh, I think some ideas uh, that I thought of that uh, could make the tefillah a uh, more significant. And again, to fastum ruba, don't try all of them at once, and don't try to do it in the whole. Davening. Pick a small part, concentrate on that, after a few days go on to another part, and so on, until you've encompassed the entire Psuke de Zimra, Shmona may take years, but it's worth it. And you're all young people, you have plenty of time to do all of this, and uh, and Amir Sashem, you should be Matzliach, and uh, you've given me a schos to have been the trigger, perhaps, of getting you uh, to daven a little bit, uh, better, right? At least maybe I've been the trigger that you should daven. When is this guy going to stop already and we can go back to eating? So uh, I've answered your prayers now and I'm going to sit down. Uh, while we're left sitting down, if anyone has any questions, they want to open up with Tfil or, or you can open any other subject, subject as well. Floor is open. We're going to start with you. Okay. Loud. Can okay. a person make bakashas if they're davening the yechidus? In other words, can we can you daven for a kolah uh, uh, for yechidus? Can you uh, 
make bakushas for your family, there's no difference between bakushas that you can ask whether you got me the or In fact, because of what I said, that when you're davening the you don't want to um, you don't want to miss answering kedusha. So if you say too many bakoshos in the middle, the body of Shmona Esrei, you're not going to be up to the kedusha when the shlech tzibur is. So there's a more of a reason not to make bakoshos in the specific brachas. Wait till the kind of summer when you're davening b'tzibur. Whereas when you're davening b'yechidus, you can spend as much time on each bracha as you want. There's no reason why you have to rush and uh, speed up in order to get the Kedusha. Whoever wants to text in a question, they're welcome to do so. It's on my phone, 513-532-3800. Welcome to do so. Mark? Um, on, on Friday night, you talked about our davening being um, a tool to manipulate the world, to bring, to bring goodness into the world. How does, when people daven at the kever of a, of a tzaddik, how does that fit into the system of be, our being able to manipulate the world to bring, bring good into the world? Okay. Did everybody hear the question? No, I repeat the question. Um, if tefillah, as I explained uh, Friday night, is one aspect of tefillah is manipulating the various powers that HaKadosh Baruch Hu created to bring influence and goodness into the world, how does that apply to davening by the kever of a, uh, of a tzaddik or whatever? Okay, I'm going to give a preface to that because it's, a, um, it's not an answer to your question, but it's a pet peeve that I have. Um, we have been designated as an amsegula, Okay, we're a very special, special people. But lately, in place of being an Am Segula, we've become an Amshal Segulos. <laughs> people forget about mitzvahs. They forget about uh, almost uh, everything that is really important. And they're involved in all of these uh, Segulos. Give me an example of what really bothers me. There's a uh, special thing, Erev Rosh Chodesh Sivan, to say the tefillah that the Shaloh HaKadosh composed, that your children should be B'nai Torah and B'nos Torah. A few years ago, I saw the people in my Moshav were emailing each other to remind each other to make sure to say this tefillah so their children would be B'nai Torah and B'nos Torah. They were downloading the tefillah in English and Hebrew, I sent out a, an email that anyone who thinks that saying a tefillah once a year, right, no matter how good the tefillah is and no matter how important its author was, right, is going to guarantee that their children are going to be B'nai Torah and B'nos Torah has to have their head examined. The next year was even worse. The next year, I was driving Erev, Erev Rosh Chodesh Sivan, and I heard on the radio in Eretz Yisrael the following. Um, there's a tzedakah organization with an advertisement. 
that the tefillah that you're going to say tomorrow is a long tefillah, sometimes difficult words. So if you send us $18, we'll say the tefillah for you. <laughs> that will surely guarantee that your children will be B'nai Torah and B'nai Shagulas are very nice, but they're like the icing on the cake. If you spend the time and effort to make the cake and you ice it, the icing enhances the taste of the cake. But if you have no cake and you're more than three years old, the icing is not appetizing. <laughs> so this that's become, I don't know, in the world in Eretz Israel for sure, that um, all you have to do is send $18 and 50 tzaddikim will daven by 50 different kvarim and you are guaranteed life of utopia, nothing can go wrong in your life anymore is absurd. That is not what Torah is. Torah does not guarantee that you're gonna have everything good in this world, right? The Torah guarantees that you'll have a meaningful life and that you'll have olam haba. But the schar mitzvah b'hai al molek. And all the, the, the promises the Torah makes are not for individuals, for Cloud Yisrael and the Madregua Mashiach comes. But until then, right, the Rabboni Shalom made a world where there are problems and there are difficulties, and that's part of what this world is all about. And uh, having any Godel uh, be Israel, Davin at any kever, is not going to guarantee that your life is going to be problemless. I, gu I guarantee that. Okay. So, uh, and, and so you can ask, so why do these Gedolim agree to this? I heard in the name of one Godel, that the need for the tzedakah is so great that they're willing to do something that they know is not really what should be, but the need makes it imperative for them to go along with it. Okay, but you should realize what, what really Yiddishkeit is. It's not shgulos, you know, just do this magical thing and your life will be Perfect. It doesn't work like that. Okay, now, on, on the other hand, there is an idea of going and davening by Kvorim. Okay? Uh, um, what's it called? Kolei Ben Yifuna, by the Maraglin, went to daven by Kever Ovos, by, by the Morasamach Pela. There's a Shaila, what exactly you accomplish by doing that? What, what should be your Kavodah? Some say that you are davening to the neshama of the person who's buried there. And um, since they're in a different world and uh, they're privy to a lot of different spiritual powers, so they can be a, an agent for you to make that manipulation. So that's Mamish, uh, this idea of manipulating with tefillah is enhanced by having the shamos helping you do it. Okay. There are those that hold that that's 100% also to do, because that's called Dorish of right? There are chuvas from, uh, from very, very chosh of uh, Gedolim, 
that say that that's not Dorish Alameshim. Dorish Alameshim is where you try to um, contact the dead body or the nefesh that lies with that dead body. That's what's also. But in treating the neshama of a person, that's okay. Even though you're not allowed to dive into angels, that they should intercede for you. But human beings, you're allowed to, even when they're not lo no longer alive. That's one opinion. Most shittas hold that you can't dive into the person who died, right? But what we do is we dive into the Rabbana Shalom and we say in the schos of these tzaddikim that are buried here, Rabbana Shalom have Rachmanes on us. Right? That's zechus avos. Zechus right? tzaddikim. Right? If you appreciate who they were and you want to learn from them, so their merit can affect you. So here, it's not that you're manipulating powers of nishamos, but in their schos, you're asking the Rabbanu to give you the power to be able to make those manipulations and to increase your ability to function because you're doing it in the schos, attaching yourself to the merit of these people. That's two different possibilities. But again, to make Yiddishkeit a a Dorish Alamesim, that that becomes what Yiddishkeit is, is, uh, is in my estimation, a total distortion of what, uh, what real Torah is. A few questions from the floor. Um, how does Hashem deal with the davening of non-Jews, and particularly the Muslims? Non-Jews have a mitzvah not to uh, believe in idolatry. Shiloh, whether they have a mitzvah to believe in God, but for sure they have to believe in God, whether it's a mitzvah, not for the whatever. And um, non-Jews, therefore, because they have to believe in God, have a, a not a mitzvah, but it's a, a, uh, a corollary to uh, belief in God, so daven to him. So Moshe Feinstein has a tshuva. Years ago, they wanted to institute in the public school system prayer, non-denominational prayer. And uh, the shaila was, should we oppose it? A lot of Jewish children in public schools, especially in those days, this is before the day school movement really got, got off the ground. And um, Moshe held that you should not oppose it because Ben Noach also has a mitzvah to pray. And if they're not praying, to their gods, but they're praying to the Rabbana Shalom, right? Non-denominational. So uh, they're Makayim and Mitzvah, and the Jewish children are there also Makayim and Mitzvah. So yeah, Agoy has a, a Mitzvah to daven, right? And his davening is, is effective, right? In fact, when it comes to davening by the Kosal Hamaravi, Goyim have a bigger koach than Jews. It's a Posikin in. Uh, in um, what's it called, uh, uh, in Malachim, right? When Shlomo HaMelech dedicated the Beis HaMikdash, so he said, if a non-Jew comes here and davens, the Rabbi should answer him unconditionally to make a Kiddush Hashem. Jews, it's conditional. Doesn't, doesn't have a, uh, a carte blanche that their davenings will be answered in the Beis HaMikdash. But Goyim have that carte blanche. 
So I was thinking that if you really want something, it's get a goy to sit down. <laughs> the, but uh, yes, not only that, but um, you can daven for goyim too. You have somebody that's close to you, that's done you a favor. The Shiloh was asked after the Holocaust, there were many goyim, chasidim who risked their lives to save Jews. And these Jews who were saved wanted to know, could they say Kaddish for the people who saved them? Could they daven for their welfare? And the truth is, across the board, were 100%. You can daven, <coughs> not called the losechonim, you're not giving grace, you're, you're showing hakoras satov to a person who did you a favor. So if you have someone like that, you're allowed to daven for them, and you're allowed to say Kaddish for them after they die or whatever, even a goy. A few questions that came in. Firstly, for, particularly for women who have either limited or almost no time to daven, how is it, how could it be a good aid to connect with feel in a way with little or no time? There are uh, two opinions in the Rishonim what the mitzvah of davening is. <clears throat> The Rambam says that from the Torah, there's no specific um, time to daven during the day, and there's no specific um, um, words that you have to say. There is a, a general um, structure of prayer, which is first I praise Hashem, then I ask Him for what I need, and then I thank Him. Those three things. And therefore, if a person says, Rabbanisham, you're great, give me some parnasa, thank you, you yotze davening from the Torah. The rabbis came along and they <coughs> made certain times for davening, for shachris, minchid, mariv, and a certain structure of words, what you have to say. That's rabbinic. The, um, the Ramban holds that there's no specific mitzvah altogether to daven. The only mitzvah is rabbinic. And the rabbis set up the structure, and if you don't daven with that structure, you're basically not making any mitzvah per se. Uh, it helps to daven, but it's not a mitzvah per se. The Gemara says that women have to daven. They have the mitzvah of davening. And there, there's a difference of opinion what that means. Does that mean that women have to daven the structured rabbinic davening? Or does it mean they just have to daven the Torah kind of davening? Um, a woman who has the time, who's not necessarily tied to raising children or whatever, um, either they're not married yet or they're beyond that, they should daven, shachras and mincha. At least um, a little bit of psuke de zimra, Baruch Shomar Ashrei and Yishtabach. Kriyashma, you should say the first parish of Kriyashma, because they're exempt from that, basically. But there's an idea of saying Kriyashma before you daven Shmona Esrei, in order to say Shmona Esrei, mitoch divrei Torah, and also Kabbalah's Omachu Shamayim, and then to daven Shmona Esrei. That's, that's the minimal um, tefillah to be Yotze, the mitzvah, the Rabbonin of Tvila. And others hold no. A woman who does not have time to do that, 
and she has uh, uh, children to raise or other responsibilities, then all she's required to do is to fulfill the mitzvah from the Torah of Davani, which is, besides the brachas that she has to say in the morning, which everybody has to say, when it comes to Davani, all she has to do is say, Rabbi you're great, help me, thank you. That's it. And she's Yotze Davani. And you don't need me to tell you what to say. As a woman who's raising children, whatever, says that inevitably, right, without being told that she had to do it, right? I'm sure every woman says, my God, please help me. Right. <laughs> so, uh, dependent on your situation, if your situation allows you to daven, then take advantage of that. If your situation does not daven, doesn't, it's more important for a woman to fulfill her role of raising her children and taking care of her home, and that is for sure a mitzvah, and she shouldn't feel guilty if she doesn't have time to stand there and say Shemona Esrei, and as long as she fulfills the Torah obligation of davening, she's perfectly okay. Bless you. <laughs> what? When my mother was mad at us, she would say, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> it's sometimes good at starting new projects and new struggle with maintaining it for the long term. Is there an itza for hanging on for the long term? I wish I knew. The, uh, yeah, I think the answer to that is that if you keep up a lot of short terms, it becomes long term. So there's nothing wrong. It's the nature of people to be excited about new things. And that's why all firsts are so special because they're, one of the reasons is because they're, they're exciting. When after a while you lose your interest in them. But if you keep finding short goals to have and they're exciting, then if you add up all those short goals, they become the long goals. But to do something long-term um, and not lose the excitement and the desire, um, we're human beings and that's what happens. So again, it's, it's a good idea as you love, initiate to have a lot of different short goals and that will create uh, an, a, a long goal made of a lot of a lot of short goals. Tenerov had a deal with disappointment and feelings don't seem to be answered. Typical answer is no tefillah goes unanswered and Kodesh Baruch does not deem what we certainly davening would be appropriate. Now we keep on davening and we assume our need is in a manner that we all our heart and soul to tefillah but we don't seem to be answered by Kodesh Baruch and how do we keep on doing and going forward? Okay, the, the real goal of tefillah is not necessarily to get what you're asking for. Because it could be that in the long run, what you're asking for is not in your best interest. Not necessarily in this world, but in the bigger eternal picture. So sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu says no, because what you think is good for you in the bigger picture is not good for you. Um, people have been known to uh, win uh, lotteries, become rich overnight, 
only to be robbed and murdered because of that. And had they not won the lottery, they'd still be alive. So that's an extreme example. But sometimes what a person thinks is going to be for his benefit is not really their benefit. So a person has to work on their emuna that if the Rabbana Shalom doesn't answer their tefillah, it's because it's not that he's not answering you, but he's answering you that this is not what you need or what's good for you in the long run. But in addition to that, the main goal of tefillah is not necessarily to get what you want. It's not a shopping list, right? And you can mark off if you got delivered what you asked for or not. But davening changes a person. It ennobles you. It, it elevates you. And therefore, even if you don't get what you asked for, but you've gained something. Beyond that, davening <coughs> creates a force in the world that may not get you what you desire, but has an effect maybe that somebody else will get what you daven for because they need it and your tefillah is what's going to help them. Or uh, it'll help you in some other area that you're not even aware of because uh, you created a force that will then uh, um, gain for you something you wouldn't have gotten had you not created that force. I think Friday night I mentioned that um, my Rosh Hashiva's wife, Rebbe Sinrachel Saratskin, Aleah Shalom. So her husband uh, was dying. And uh, the last two weeks of his life, um, when he was in a terminal uh, uh, situation, so the girl, she was the, the Menahelet of Yavne High School in Cleveland. And the girls formed a voluntary uh, Tehillim all through 24 hours a day for two weeks in shifts. And at the end of those two weeks, he was Nifter. During Shiva, she called the girls together and she said, you're probably very upset that your tefillahs were not answered. And my husband was Nifter. But you should know the tefillahs didn't go for nothing. They didn't accomplish what we had wanted them to accomplish. But maybe they're helping my husband's neshama. Maybe they're helping someone else who needed a refuah. The tefillahs created a power in the world and that power doesn't, doesn't go for nothing. And I found that the Maril Diskin says the same idea by Avram Avinu. Kodesh Baruch Hu knew that nothing is going to save Sidon. He already made up his mind that the stone has to be destroyed. So he knew that all the tefillahs of Avram Avinu to save Sidon were futile. So why did he let him waste his time? Why didn't he tell him, Avram, forget it, it's already decided we're destroying Sidon. Don't waste your time davening here. Go do something else. Why did he let him waste his time? And he knew that it wasn't going to help. Says the Maral Diskin, because HaKadosh Baruch who wanted Avram Avinu to create those powers of tefillah that we, for generations, have the schus of Avram's tefillah created a reservoir that we can then uh, draw from throughout the generations. So the tefillahs aren't lost. They're there. They may not accomplish what we would have liked them to accomplish or we thought they would accomplish, but they accomplished something. They're there and they have some effect 
And the Gemara even says, sometimes a tefillah is answered after 70 years. You think you're going to get the answer right now. But you're, that tefillah is there, it's hovering in the air, and 70 years later you need that tefillah, and that's when it takes effect. One final question. How is Davin using a defined set of words better than one's own thoughts? For example, a card given with a personal note versus one coming from a store. We would think that a personal note is a more valuable tefillah rather than using a formal text of Chazal. Okay, without going into detail, that's what I spoke about Friday night. There's two kinds of tefillah. There's the institutionalized tefillah where the words themselves uh, have an effect. Example, I gave two examples. One is from the Arabian Nights. Right? Uh, when they said, open sesame, the cave opened. But you had to say the right words. Right? Uh, the Rabbanisham created a system in this world where we have the ability to manipulate various spiritual powers to bring God's goodness into the world. The Anshik Nesis Agdola, who formulated our tefillos, knew how to manipulate those powers. Which words said in the right sequence at the right time will have that effect. Um, an example is there are safes, vaults in, in banks that are programmed to open with the voice pattern of the president of the bank. If he, at 10 o'clock in the morning, speaks into a, uh, uh, an apparatus, a computer apparatus, and recognize his voice pattern, and he says certain words, that is the, um, the way that the safe is opened. If he doesn't say the right words, if he doesn't say them the right way, if he doesn't say them at the right time, the safe won't open. So there are certain words that are supposed to be said, and the words themselves have the power to manipulate various powers in, in the world. That's one kind of tefillah. And then there's another kind, which is mostly what your feelings are and how you relate them to the Rabboni Shalom. And you're not manipulating anything except you are making a statement, Rabboni Shalom, I need you. And if you make that statement and you mean it, then the Rabboni Shalom says, if you need me, then I'm there for you. If you think you can do it on your own, do it on your own. So davening is totally subjugating and negating yourself to the Rabboni Shalom. There the words are important. There the intention is important. Both of those kinds of tefillah are important. And therefore it's important to daven with the right words. And it's also important to add in your, uh, your kavana and your feelings and your, your emotions. Both are important. Neither one is uh, more important than the other. And a person has to combine them together and make them work together to really have a, a, uh, a more effective tefillah. One last question, if there are any suggestions of svarim that could be helpful for working on tefillah. I was hoping somebody would ask that. There is a book called Shmona Esrei, written by Rabbi Zev Lev. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you don't have to buy it. You can go take it out of the library. You can borrow it from somebody. Um, but uh, it's very, very um, effective book on explaining every single brach of Shmon Esrei. 
not just translating it, but there's a, uh, a preface between each, before each bracha. There's also another sefer on the Shmonestre of Shabbos, and another sefer on the Shmonestre of Rosh Chodesh and Shalosh Regalim. So uh, they're put out by Menucha publishers, and I recommend them highly. The, um, again, not to buy them, but to, to read them. I need every zechus I can get, and if you read those farim, I'll get a schus from it. So I have a little bit of a negias into it. Um, there are definitely other svarim. Um, <coughs> I'm familiar with is Rabbi Schwab on tefillah, which is definitely uh, something to get and to, and to learn. And uh, the, the sefer that I mentioned that I wrote is not something to read, it's something to learn. So uh, I have people who are using it for textbooks in school or for chavrusas that they learn, they learn it together. Um, again, if you want something that'll help you to uh, understand the brachas of Shmon Esrei, uh, that's a possibility. And again, Rabbi Schwab on tefillah is an excellent possibility. Shukriah, good to We'll be here for the next five hours answering questions. <coughs> Anyone wants to ask them? So I mean, we mentioned five minutes. The dessert will be served. Avi Khajaj. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, presentation, my name is Moshe Berlos. I'm troubled by the Rav said and other Rabbanerat said one point which seems to go grossly against the Vim, the Vim, the Vim, the Vim, the Vim, the Vim, the 